You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I am so excited because we get to talk with one of our international friends today. I know. I love these. I love talking to international friends. Thank you to Concordia (laughs) University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today is the Reverend Jerry Lawson. He serves the Lord in Russia as a theological educator. Pastor Lawson, thanks so much for being our guest. Thank you for inviting me. So tell us about the the community where you serve in Russia. Uh, enlighten us uh, about the where you've been given to serve. Um, I serve in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, this is actually the historic area of Lutheranism. Um, in, in Russia, uh, prior to the revolution, there were actually millions of Lutherans across the country. And St. Petersburg had been a very large center for, um, for Lutheranism. And so I serve with the Evangelical Church, Lutheran Church here um, in, in Russia, teaching at their seminary. Tell us about the community of Lutherans that are there. Um, the, there's this area, we're close to the Finnish border. So this area of Russia tends to have um, ethnic Finns, um, uh, referred to as Ingrians or as Karelians and uh, They've been here at least since 1611, um, when this area was originally held by the um, um, by the Swedish uh, by the Swedes, and this is uh, so. There's a long tradition of Lutheranism here up until the Revolution, and I serve in with them in particular to rebuild or help to restore churches that had uh, disappeared during the Soviet period. Um, so a lot of the people I, I serve or uh, serve with are new new Christians, or um, they may have a family tradition of, of Lutheranism in the past, and they're coming back to the church. Um, a lot of the pastors here who come to serve are quite young. Um, I, I'm I'm amazed at the number of youth that come to the church and and are looking to to reestablish family traditions and and ideas that. Um, were held that tell us more about uh, how you have learned about the culture and the community what is the what's the culture like what's the community like paint that picture for us especially for those of us listening stateside mm-hmm. it's um you know I I had done some Russian history in my undergraduate work and you learn about the basics of uh, you know, the history of the you know Russia under the czars and then moving in and so I'd always had this kind of idea of Russian culture just Russia what we typically think of Russia and and I got here and I realized it's not that um, Russia is a is a composite of of all sorts of people and and I so I I serve in a very multi ethnic community. Um, I I go out and I see in an average day not just Russians, uh, but uh, Central Asians, um, people from the Balkans, people. Uh, I, I live in an area um, that's just in between a a mosque and and in the area that's um, in in a Buddhist temple. So it's a very cosmopolitan area. Um, the it has a long history, a long tradition. Uh, 
areas of Russia go back thousands of years uh, in cultural aspects. And it is a very a, a city that's in particular here in St. Petersburg that is very involved with art. It, it's mm-hmm. always, we kind of chuckle because of every corner, there seems to be a dance school. And, mm-hmm. or if it, if they're not doing dance, they're doing gymnastics or, or a number of other activities. So um, it's a large city. It's a very cosmopolitan city. And that's where I'm centrally located. But I also go out into the countryside. And I've been out through the areas of the Volga Valley, uh, which is um, east of us where I am here towards the Ural Mountains, uh, farming communities, um, some old industrial cities through those areas. And I've gone north of here into Karelia, which is, again, woodland forest and and heading up towards the Arctic Circle. So it's a wide, wide group of people that I, I work with. Mm-hmm. How does uh, all of the, the multicultural, uh, all of the, the multiculturalism, how does that affect uh, your theological education, uh, the work that you do? It, it, you know, it's it, as in uh, um, there's it's not so much um, that it affects. There's, there's a standard belief that we want to teach Christ. We want to teach Christ to our community from a Lutheran understanding, and so they're very they're very hungry in a sense to learn Lutheranism, um, the traditions and practices and and so forth. So they're not looking so much. Um, they have a commonality with the language. I, I should explain that. They may have their own language, but 99% of them speak Russian on top of that. So, so you have that common language there and then that common desire to learn um, and, and to improve in their knowledge base. Are you teaching, uh, so are these students at a, at a seminary that are preparing to become pastors? Is, are these the students? Yeah, there's a mixture of students. Predominantly, it, it is students who are pastors, studying to be pastors. Um, I teach uh, kind of in two areas, uh, um, Lutheran theology and some pastoral study um, skills. Um, but also, there are also other church workers that go through, um, musicians, uh, organists are coming through and studying uh, theology. Um uh, deaconesses who go out and serve in the communities are, are also there studying. So there's a, it's not just pastors, but a, a, a church workers in general, all pretty much go through the same type of theological education. That's I'm fascinated. Yes. What can we, what can we learn from our uh, brothers and sisters in the, in the uh, evangelical Lutheran church of Ingria? Oh, that's fascinating. I, what, what do you think we can learn from them? I, I think it's just the the idea of holding on to something precious. Um, mm-hmm. There's a phrase I had never heard or thought of until it struck me one day. Because um, I I go to a church in town and in, in you know Lutheran church it built in built only a few years after the city of Saint Petersburg was founded, so it has a long tradition of being there and. There's a lot of young people who come to this particular church. It's called St. Anne's. Mm-hmm. And, and in conversations with them, when they're asked, have you been baptized? They'll make this phrase like, I don't know. My grandmother does, isn't alive anymore. Hmm. 
And, and what it goes back to is that during the Soviet period, they would use to, the grandmothers would, would keep the faith alive in the house by baptizing the children. And if the grandmother was alive, they would know if they were baptized. Well, some, you know, their, their grandparent has passed on, so they don't know. But they're coming because they're looking for something precious, something that, that they, they, in some cases, I remember uh, one girl telling me she had felt incomplete. Um, and, and I think that's something we kind of take for granted in the West, the idea that we're always going to have the church. And it's always going to be there. And I'm working with people who have gone through an idea that it wasn't here all the time and that it was taken away from them at times. Um, so it's, it's, I think we can learn to, you know, I, as I'm talking to you, all I keep thinking about is, you know, that pearl of great price, that treasure mm -hmm. in the field. And these are people who are, are going out and, and looking for that. And I think we, kind of have lost that sometimes um, in a sen sense of complacency in, in the West. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about, about these young people. That's such a, a fascinating thing um, that, that uh, we're so far removed from that in our American Lutheranism, uh, like you're talking about. Tell us more about these young people that you, are, that you come in contact with um, who, are, who are searching for this truth. Uh, who, are, who are these young people? Um, they come from a, a variety of, of different areas. Um, you know, here in, in St. Petersburg, it, it, there's a lot of transition and changes going on in Russia. And a lot of different things, um, you know, people are coming for work to the city. There's a lot of growth here. When you drive around the outside of the city, there's these massive apartment blocks going up. Um, so so there's a lot of growth and a lot of things coming here. And they're... Um, they're looking, you know, they, they're, they're asking questions. And I think that's a real big different uh, cultural thing here, as I find, is they just, they're always asking questions about why, what is my, you know, what is this thing about faith all about? Um, it's not uncommon here culturally for them to, to pick up a book and read something that just so they could understand something. Mm -hmm. Um you know they'll we've uh, I've helped them and we've offered um, classes in, com in in confirmation classes in English um, because they want to come learn about Christ but at the same time they want to practice their English and so and they do it because they need have this need to be challenged but they want to know more than just um, you know they just don't take it for granted I, I guess is the best way to describe it um, so this is, so this is kind of a cultural thing that's going on. They're, they're, to me, it looks like they're filling in gaps that they're missing. They wanted, they just don't settle for something, and they, and they're, so they're going to go out and look for it. Well, we have more to learn about uh, from the Reverend Jerry Lawson, who's serving the Lord in Russia. We're going to learn more about uh, the ways he's been given to serve and the people he gets to serve there as well. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, 
to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Reverend Jerry Lawson. He serves the Lord in Russia as a theological educator with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ingria in Russia. Um, I don't know any Russian, so this is fascinating to me to learn more about um, the the people he's serving. And uh, tell us about the language. You mentioned that uh, people might be coming from different language backgrounds, the the people that you're serving. Um, Tell us about, uh, did you have a background in Russian language before? Serving no. in, in actually, no. You know, I was a. Uh, I studied, you know, French, so I didn't. I didn't have, and in, in the languages at seminary, so Russian was a pretty new experience for me. Uh, I, you know, I I always hear when I was on my way here, and, and and guys I had gone to some with would say, "Well, I hear Russian's pretty Cyrillic is pretty easy to read, um, because it 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 has it, it uses Greek." And I said, okay. And then I started um, uh, learning the, the, to read it. And I realized it has a little bit of Greek. It has a little bit of Latin letters. It has a little bit of Hebrew. And it has some letters you have no idea where they came from. <laughs> and so, and, and you, you have to, you know, rele- relearn to, to read and pronounce and then you have to change certain things because letters we we take like the letter B, and and we would say bay, um, that's the V sound in Russian. So mm-hmm. every time I look at a B now, I have to go V, and mm-hmm. and when I see the letter H now, it's the N sound. Um, so so it's I have to adjust my my way of reading stuff now and. Uh, we were laughing a, a while ago because um, my daughter was was looking at something in English, and she kept saying, I, I, I don't understand this letter here. And she's pointing, and she was trying to read the letter B as a V <laughs> without re- thinking about it. But as you, as you learn the language, they, you know, they don't have syntax like we would have syntax, things we uh, – there's no articles, so you don't say – in the car, um, it's it's on car, and and it could be car on, or so because it the order it, the order is not so necessarily important. It's the ending that's important, and and I should admit I, I'm by far not the best. You know, I still work through and I still work with learning the language, but then one thing I've 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 learned it, especially with instruction, is cultural things. As far as every culture has commonalities that we all associate with, and things that we we would um, not necessarily all know, but we would have some common things. If I mention for certain generations Disney's um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, people who grew up and understand that would have a common interest in that so if i said it was like bell's yellow dress you could understand that and you can you would know the reference well when i started teaching and i was working with the translator 
I had actually used the phrase, you know, if you go down that path, you're going to end up going down the rabbit hole. And, and my translator stopped. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, well, what do you mean by going down the rabbit hole? Why would you want to go down the rabbit hole? <laughs> Legitimate question. <laughs> and, and then I had this, it struck me that, um, um, that I, you know, they don't have that reference of Alice in Wonderland. Now they know the story, but there's no reference of using down the rabbit hole as a, as a reference culturally. So, so I have to adjust the way I, I perceive certain things. Um, and, and I work on, on cultural things, you know, I, I, I read Russian fairy tales every so often. Um, there's a whole, it's, it's, I love animation and I've just discovered this whole genre of Soviet animation that, that they did in the late sixties and seventies. And, and as I go around and see the tourist areas, I see this animation popping up and they know it. Um, they know the stories, they know the songs associated with this animation. So, um, again, well, and just to give you a clue in this, there's a, a dairy product that has this striped cat on it. And, and it took me for a while. Why would you have the striped cat on this, this dairy? Well, it comes from a Russian story in an animated uh, cartoon from the 1960s. It would be, it would be the equivalent of uh, putting Bugs Bunny on a, on a product. <laughs> And and now I now I you know so I have to learn those type of those clues I guess those cultural clues. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating uh, when you're when you're put in the in the midst of of another culture another language all of the things that uh, we don't realize are so ingrained in our own culture and our own way of of doing things that are just second nature to us because of the culture we we've grown up in and then and then you have to relearn all of those things in order to connect uh, when you're when you're uh, in the midst of a different culture. What are some of the, and this, uh, this might be a, uh, just jumping off of, of this conversation, what are some of the challenges, um, challenging things that you've faced um, as you've been in St. Petersburg? Well, imagine going to the grocery store and only being able to read about two or three products. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did a lot of experimentation our first few months. And then uh, as we learn to read and, and working and that, now, you know, now we can go in the grocery store and, and find stuff. But I, I'll have to tell you, there were a few things we, we picked up that I don't think we'll ever pick up again and try. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, so so, so you, we went through that type of stuff. You know, there's cultural things here, you know, clues and stuff that, that you don't really you think about. Um, we don't have a car, so we're always traveling public transport. Um, they've got buses, electric buses, trolleys, a metro system. So they have all sorts in these uh, mashutkas, which are these kind of small buses, like a taxi. They only stop if you wave your hand. And, and then they don't stop until you push a button or you tell them, I, I want to get off here. Um, and it took me a while to realize um, until I had, you know, a couple times the Mashutka just actually drove by me. Uh, someone finally told me, said, you need to wave them down to get them to stop. And, <laughs> and, and you get on these things and, and you, you, you go up to the driver and he's got a, a, a box there and you pay him and that. 
but he's already driving down the road and taking your money and change as he's driving the small little bus through the streets. So it, it just things like that you you have to work through. And then the metro has its own to say rules. Um, Russians in general don't talk on public transport. You're not going to find many people holding a conversation. So if you're holding a conversation with someone on the metro or on a bus or something like that, um, you stand out. And and so that took us a while to do that. Um, my son learned the hard way that if an older lady walks onto the metro, um, you, you give up your seat. You know, there's no questions about it. Um, because if you don't give up your seat, she will let you know that you need to get up and give up your seat. Um, and I've watched the, these older ladies literally walk up to these these young guys sitting down and stand in front of them and say, you need to move. So, so you this these kind of nuanced things that you, you just have to get, I guess, trial and error, make the mistakes and, and you, you learn. Okay, we'll go through. Um, and, and you, I know over the last year, all of us have faced challenges, uh, with the, the pandemic are in your, uh, service there. Uh, have you, how has the pandemic impacted your service and theological education? When the, when it first started, we went through shutdowns. A year ago, it would be March, April, May. Um, we were we were closed for about six weeks, and then they started allowing certain things to open. Um, we went, but but we haven't had as as serious as lockdowns as um, other places in Europe have, and some places in the states. So I I was able to still go out and, and meet and visit people. I, you know, with limitations, uh, you, you have to wear masks in public transport when you go into grocery stores. Um, but restaurants are, are, have been opened and have been, have been opening since last August, September. So things were coming back quicker here and that enabled me to, to, to go out and do, and, and hasn't really hindered me um, as much. I've been able to teach, a few weeks I was online teaching through Zoom and then but as soon as soon as the the requirements by the government said you could go back, you know, we were back in the classroom. Um I I, I feel somewhat blessed um in the sense that I can still go to Starbucks and get a coffee if I need to. Um so we haven't been that limited in what we can do. And, and I, I, I look at it as a blessing because I couldn't imagine what I would have been doing if I had to just spend the whole last year in my apartment and, and only going out for groceries. Um, I think it, it would have taken a harder toll on us. Mm -hmm. How have you seen uh, the Lord working through uh, your situation, uh, the people around you, the, the people that you work with? Uh, in your in your teaching, how have you seen the Lord working through all of these things uh, to help share the good news uh, of Christ uh, as as you're working? You know, it it comes back to what I was saying about this curiosity or this desire to learn. Um, there is a, a cultural tendency that when things are bad, 
it's accepted that that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, so they'll look at, at things and say, you know, well, the Lord wills it. So we're going, you know, but we'll keep moving. And people are always, um, curious and they, and they have this desire to learn a lot of times that, um, has, I think I say the last year has really brought a lot of people to think about who they are and what they're doing. And, and I see people now coming into the church to, to, um, find out more. And, and it's, I'm not sure of the right words I'm to come up with, but I see this as a blessing in disguise, you could say, um, it's been more helpful at times sharing the gospel than as opposed to being a hindrance. How can we, we're just about out of time. How can we uh, keep up with your story as a theological educator with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ingra? Um, I have, uh, you know, I do put out a newsletter. Um, I, you know, I, I think you can get my information, you know, through the, through the office of international mission if you're interested to receive it, um, I am on on social media. I do have a, a page, Ministry to Russia, where I put up things that are going on with the uh, the Russian churches, Russian Lutheran churches around the region, um, different programs that they're doing, and and I, I just have it on Facebook and Instagram um, as Ministry to Russia, um, and. Like I said, if people are interested, I'm sure they can get the information through um, the Office of International Mission. Very good. Very good. Our guest today, the Reverend Jerry Lawson, serving the Lord in Russia, theological educator in, at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ingria. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.